millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Pearlmania 500. It's the podcast where a husband and wife longingly stare at each other. But in reality, they're looking at the double barrel shotgun <laughs> that is internet lore and history. Yeah, the Which one of us is Courtney Love? We'll never oh, know. Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday is wild. It's wild, y'all. We don't have wings, but we have fish. You have a mink salmon. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I have I have um I, I'm using this word very loosely. I've got trauma around Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Because growing up, Super Bowl Sunday um, always fell on my birthday. Yeah. So parents being parents would always be like, everybody's coming over anyway. So my birthday parties growing up were always actually Super Bowl parties. Yeah. To the point where like every birthday cake I ever got was a football shape. It was a, a sheet cake that looked like a field with all the little players on each end. Yep. <laughs> so. To this day, I'm always like Super Bowl Sunday birthday. So the yeah, the fact that the fact that in the last couple of years I've really gotten into football, and you've been accepting of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you did. The, you've you've been accepting of it because you're like, whatever. It's less. It's less wrestling. It's one day a week, <laughs> usually. Versus wrestling at this point, if I wanted it to be, could yeah. be a six day a week hobby. No, that's we don't need any of that. No, we don't need any of that. And with that what? being said, Mrs. Pearlmania. Okay. This is Pearlmania. 500.
Once again, as always, thank you to His Name Was Dusk for all of our music that we play on the podcast. His Name Was Dusk, we have his uh, link to his Indiegogo for his new album. Yep. It is going to be down in the show notes, as always. And while we have you guys here at the top, I know you're wrapped, I know you're listening. While you're sitting there, why don't you give us a like, a subscribe, maybe a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever it is you like to put down comments. If you're listening to us on YouTube, go ahead and go ahead and smash that bell notification there, buddy. <laughs> Just flick that little bell bean, okay? Yeah, okay. We've been told that we need to do more call to actions. <laughs> Follow us on Patreon. All those things. Do we all just want to get that. We just want to get it out off the top. Do all the things. All right, we're gonna remind you at the end. We're not gonna remind you. We at the will end. not. We remember. never remember to. We are bad about. We're that. usually exhausted by that point. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, this episode today mm-hmm. is a big one. Even though it's part of the can, this is actually one of the few episodes that does not have a guest special on guest. it. Doesn't yeah. have a special guest on it. But it is the prequel. To our greatest guest, yeah, which will be revealed at the end of the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but this episode was recorded all the way back in October. Uh-huh. Uh, we were different people then. Yep. Um, I listened to a little bit of it. We sounded happy. <laughs> <laughs> we had light in our eyes. Yeah. Love was, in our hearts. It was all the sleep we were getting. Yeah. That's a lie. I didn't get any sleep. That's you were up all the you're time. You're like this. I'm going to sleep. I was like, I haven't slept in a year. <laughs> yeah, you were up and you had, and not only were you up just in general from the heartburn and yeah. everything else, but he would just be kicking. Yeah, just karate kicking. Yeah. He's still doing that. He's still doing that, but now he's doing it in a bassinet to the side. Yeah. Honestly, listen, I don't want to talk too much about our kid. Yeah. But I will say one thing. Uh, go ahead. Adam's Family Values. That's the second Adam's <laughs> Family movie, right? Yeah. That baby. Mm-hmm. There's times where they show the baby bassinet where it's in its little crib and it's just shaking and noises are coming from it. <laughs> that accurate, is our child. Accurate to life. Is there's times I'll be sitting there and I, I can't see him because of the way the bassinet is, yeah. but I hear him and the whole thing is just rocking violently and yeah. I just go, nah, I don't like whatever's going to come out of that. <laughs> whatever teen comes from there is going to be bad. Anyway, uh, we love him. So anyway, listen, I have a little piece of pop culture that happened yesterday. Well, it came to light to me yesterday that I need to show you. On February 10th. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I feel like this could be something I talk about at a later date because it's so incredible. So many, many months ago, we made a TikTok, one of our like duet TikToks about uh, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Mm -hmm. and about Jen Shaw, the one that got uh, arrested and put away in prison for exploiting the elderly by stealing their money through phones. So the Mormon Real Housewives uh-huh. out in Salt Lake City, Utah, yeah. mm-hmm. one of them was arrested like mid, mid-season. mid during, Yeah, it's all on. It was a whole season about it. It was great. Uh, yeah, I think it's all on Hulu. Incredible TV. Yeah. <laughs> so this picture came out recently, and I'm going to show you the picture, and I just want your live react Okay. because it's incredible. Okay, so this is a picture of Jen Shaw who is currently incarcerated. This is her in prison. Okay? Okay. Put down your phone. No, no, I'm going to take the picture. Oh. <laughs> this way we can have it. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Go ahead. Yeah. Comment on that. Is that the lady? That's the Theranos lady? Yeah. That's Jen Shaw and Theranos? Yeah, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. The scammers have lear- become best who friends. Who is learning from who? <laughs> who is learning from who? So this picture was taken by paparazzi from outside the prison. Wait, there's prison paparazzi? <laughs> yeah. And they have a picture of Jen Shaw 
uh, with Elizabeth Holmes, and apparently they, according to inside sources, which I assume is like prison guards. Why do they both have trench coats? <laughs> Why are they both dressed no, like it's the nineteen like, forties? That's, that's the outfits they wear. Is that the, the jacket? Is that the prison the jacket? jacket? Yeah, you didn't watch Orange Is the New Black. But that has, now hers has epaulets. I mean. Hers looks a little bit nicer. Oh, uh, well, maybe. But yeah, so apparently Jen Shaw and Elizabeth Holmes have become fast friends in prison. Two scammers scamming it up. They're going to be coming out of this more powerful than ever. So did you know that yeah. Elizabeth Holmes, uh-huh. uh, of, of her many victims, <laughs> yeah, one of them, yep. Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. <laughs> Was, like to the degree where I like she got him for like maybe a couple we, mil. Maybe we should put money on her books. Yeah, you know, I was like, like, all right, all right. All right. You know what? You know I'll what? I'll buy I'm, you some Cheetos and a bag of ramen. I listen, got you, girl. Forgetting, forgetting Henry Kissinger to lose millions of dollars. You know what? For, just for that, we're, right. we're taking one month off. Yeah, <laughs> you get one month good behavior. Yeah, good behavior. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I can't believe that these two yeah have linked up. They're they're coming up with some type of master plan. It's gonna fucking. They're coming out of prison stronger than they went in. There's no way. That's a presidential ticket right there. <laughs> Telling you, <laughs> reality TV uh, star. Yep. And whatever, whatever, whatever the Theranos lady. Like, yeah. yeah. I my evil thing, villain. The so many things came out about the Theranos lady that I I don't like to call her Elizabeth Holmes. That yeah. I feel like no, that's that's too humanizing. I you're the Theranos lady. You're just a monster. Um, but I think my favorite thing was the dropping the voice, the oh, faking yeah. the deep voice is so got to do it. It's so on its head, crazy in Silicon Valley, and we haven't done a lot about Silicon Valley. No, but like, well, I'm gonna start looking into more of that stuff because that's yeah. shit, the shit gets so weird over there. Um, I should drop my voice. Everybody says I sound like Jenna Marbles, which literally is the greatest compliment of all time. It's an amazing compliment, but yeah, I wish I could talk deeper. I should have smoked more cigarettes. You can talk deep whenever you want. <laughs> Here, wait, hold on. I think I can just do. No. Which one is you? That one is you. Uh huh. Okay. Now the, go ahead. Talk. Is that gonna make me sound deeper? Yeah, that's deeper. Do I sound NPR voicey now? Yeah. Turn on. Let me turn these down. Now oh, try. Okay. Oh wow, that hurts my ears. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I fix you. Listen, let's do some hey huns. Let's do some shout outs. You want to do some hey huns and some shout outs? Yeah. All right. Yeah, because we are getting close to that grandfather clause coming through. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, the $3 Hey Hunt here is going to be going away soon. If you're interested in that, patreon.com slash promania500 or promania500.net. Hey, huh? Let's meet our team leaders. So we got 14 plus a special this week. Beep, so let's beep, go beep. ahead and do this list. You ready, Mrs. P? Yeah. All right. A first one. It's a long one. Okay. Getting underscore grandfathered underscore in underscore while underscore I underscore can underscore underscore underscore. <laughs> The last one is the word underscore followed by, uh, an, by underscore. an underscore. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. No. Thank you for that. Thank you. Our, hey, hon. I'm glad you're getting in um, at the, the what's it like? The $3 the tier. The $3 tier. Yeah. The value price. Yep. Before uh, we eliminate the three dollar tier, I like to I like to look at it as the hay hunt tiers being gentrified. We're oh, raising wow. rents on the hay hunt tier. Wow, <laughs> that's the way I view it. I don't think that's a good way to view it. Uh, yeah. Oh, are we gonna get coffee shop though? <laughs> it's a vegan muffins. <laughs> no. <laughs> so and they're the driest vegan no. muffin you know you what? have ever Let tasted. Me tell you something. A vegan muffin, delicious. Can deal with it. It's because they make it gluten free too. Yeah. And as a gluten free person, I gotta tell you, you gotta have one or the other. You got to have either gluten-free flour and butter, or you can have vegan butter and regular flour. You cannot combine them. You can't them. combine both. It ruins everything. Yeah, at that point, just serve cardboard. Yeah. that Just eat a piece of fruit. Just a plank of wood. 
just ha- just hand somebody a plank of wood and say it's it's hurt no one. Yeah, and it's sustainable. You just get a plank of wood. Yeah, right. You get some uh, cake frosting. You make yep. it look like a football field. Yeah, and that's my birthday. A soft wood. <laughs> Use a soft wood though. You want it to be chewable. You don't want to hurt their teeth. Um, I can I say something? I love the fact that this underscore joke has been going on for so many over a year now. Yeah. We've the people have been trolling you with these underscores. Yeah, I love it. And I, I'm I'm appreciative of it. Yeah. We have really great fans. Uh after that, we have Tay Dospy. Tay Dospy, hey hon. I hope that I said that right. Tay Dawes Pie? <laughs> Tay Dawes Pie? Anyway, uh they they messaged us. Oh, they and did. I was like, okay, because you know, they're like, no, you can say my name. That's fine. And I was like, okay. Like, but they wanted me to know with Akatar. Okay. With book two. All right. It's not a can of soup. Oh. It's a bowl of soup. Oh. They said, by you saying can, it's giving it a different connotation. Oh. But there's something weird and sexy with some soup, but it's in a bowl. Oh, it's not a can of soup for your family. I was going to say, is it a can of soup for my family? It's for my family. Um, No, it's a bowl of soup. See, yeah. And you know what? My brain is rotted. Yeah. Um, and I, when I think of a bowl of soup... And in a sexual way, I think of a very specific story that maybe I'll share during that about a friend of mine and a bowl of cereal that was gnarly. Okay. Well, that's (laughs) good to look forward to. If I ever read book two, I did check, by the way, we're about 170 Patreons away. That's pretty close, honestly. It's pretty close. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited. We got 577 I can't uh, wait to watch you read this book. I am terrified of it. Uh, Up next, we have Lauren B., Hey, hon. Lawrence from Canada. I can tell because it says Canadian three dollars. Oh, nice. Which is nice. I uh, every time I see that though, I always think it says California. Oh, yeah. I feel like the American education system. They should have their own money. California should have its own money. (laughs) Uh, After that, we have wob 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 wob. Hey, hon. That's the noise that you make when there's something. um... They got a picture of a cat. Nice. Wob 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 wob. There it is. Uh, After that, we have dingle dangle newt newt. Okay, people are just making noises. Yeah, people are, <laughs> people are just making silly noises. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Peener underscore wiener. <laughs> After that, we have Samantha Silverthorne. Hey, Samantha. After that, we have this underscore podcast underscore gave underscore me underscore uh underscore Philly underscore accent. Yo, not for nothing. It is uh, contagious. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying. fucking saying, dude. No matter where the fuck you live, yeah. all right, all you got to fucking do is you need to go out there and get yourself fucking water ice. Yep. Okay? Get yourself fucking parking cone. Okay? And then if you fucking look at me again, I will fucking hit you. Yo, honestly, if you come near me or my parking cone, on my parking spot that I dug out, I'm going to show you being like you ain't never seen before. Your mom is not going to be able to identify you and you're going to get accidentally addicted to perks again. All right? Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> Ax. Spelled it's a, A-X-I. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. Yeah, we spell cousin with a T. <laughs> um. <laughs> we went really from Philly to Delco in that. It was a, a hard It's a leg. region. It's a, it's a, the regional gets stronger as you... It really It do. changes a bit. Yeah, it, it, it's it been fluctuating. Yeah. Up next, mm-hmm. Wolf, I'm a cat. Wolf, I'm a cat. Wolf. See, this. there's a Philly accent right there. Wolf, I'm a because cat. Because in my mind, you say wolf, wolf. Is it dog or is it the... It's W-O-O-F, wolf. Okay. They even sent us a thing, like this is how you pronounce it. And you still... It's not going to be able to do it. All right. Mm-hmm. After that, we have Stephanie Reynolds. Hey, hon. After that, we have K2. K2, on. After that, we have Wrong Town. <laughs> that's, ve- you know what? Honestly, that's got Pennsylvania energy. They're from Australia. 
Oh, but I'm saying it still has pencil. As uh, an Australian listener, the, our Commonwealth, not a state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has some wild ass names for different towns. Yep. There's like a town called Intercourse. And Blue Balls. Blue Balls. There's a wild stack of towns. And so if there was a wrong town PA, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. I'd get a t-shirt. Good I imagine, have an Intercourse imagine, t-shirt. Imagine being in Australia, though, and like driving, someone just walks up, I might. Wrong town. Oh, I, I leave. I turn around. I leave. There's too many spiders and snakes. You know, what's the reason it's wrong? I just picture a man with the, the worst. The bar in Australia for something being scary and dangerous, the bar is like fucking, where? Where's the bar? It's they, in hell. They live with the most scariest animals and creatures that can be found on planet Earth. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, it's fine. Ah, they with... have a house spider. No. There's a spider you know in their house. You say that all you want, but their women don't wear cookie monster pajama pants and go to gas stations. Yes, they do. Nah, they don't do it the same way. Not in a violent way. <laughs> don't they not have guns the same way down there? I think they got I, rid of yeah, a lot I, of their guns. I think it's smart. That's why the animals are so scary. Oh, they just throw animals at each other? No, no, I'm <laughs> saying like that's what we need the guns for here in America. It's because oh. that's what we got rid of all of our scary spiders. Oh, okay. We shot them. <laughs> that's a very American way to handle spiders. Uh, up next, another underscore angry underscore ginger. Hey, We're I'm... multiplying. Oh, no. Uh, and lastly in this group, okay. Hey, Erica underscore. Thanks for the Venmo during these trying times underscore. Love you. Grandfather hun. (laughs) This person messaged us and said they've been listening to us since episode one. Nice. Uh, and for their birthday, someone Venmoed them enough money so they could sign up and become a grandfathered member. Hell yeah. So we appreciate you so much. Let's go for the long time (laughs) listeners. Let's get you. I do have one, uh, listener to add. Yes. Because we did get an inbox message that apparently we missed someone when yep. we were doing our Hey Hun shutouts months ago. And that happens because my our brains don't work. Yep. My brain specifically. And and, and we, we went over it real quick. We we said the name to each other and I was like, I don't think we ever said this name. Yeah, and this is and th- and just so you guys know, behind the you know, behind the, 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 the curtain, that's how we do it. We look at each other. I'm like, I would have remembered saying that. Yeah, I would. So remembered. if you feel like you haven't gotten a hey hon or anything like that, like message us. It is, it's a what's the word honor system. Honor system. Mm-hmm. But also we'll be like, I feel like I said that. I'm, I'm not going to go through 200 hours. Yeah. To figure this out, but this name we would have. We remembered. both feel like we didn't say this name because it's so it's incredible. On point. Yeah. Um. So we want to give a big shout out to a listener. Um. And Patreon member who's been uh, with us since July. This is a, with us since July, um, and their name I'm gonna mm, ass blasting and a forehead punches. Let's go. At first, my brain said, "What the hell?" And then I said, "Oh wait, that was your episode. That was my episode. <laughs> yeah, that was one of your where many... we're ass blasting enemas and then punching them in the head." While starving incredible. him to death. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There's a lot in that episode. It was so... That's an incredible name. Thank you so much. That was a Fishbine fighter too, right? Wasn't yeah. she fighting a Fishbine? <laughs> Fishbine. The true hero of our podcast. Yeah, Fishbine. maybe that'll be a new tier. The, <laughs> the Fishbine fish fighters. <laughs> hey, huh? let's meet our team leaders. Well, Mrs. P, mm-hmm. uh, this has been a fun intro. Uh my my dad's been downstairs with the baby, which has been good. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to go ahead and get started on this fun episode that was recorded all the way back in October. Yeah. Where I'm going to explain a lot to you. So I'm yep. going to go ahead, throw it back to us. Um, I'm telling you, they sound so well rested. 
<laughs> you sound so well rested. Well, that's what matters. Enjoy, everybody. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you guys next week and look forward to everyone. So please like, subscribe, comment, follow, all those things. You know how to do it. Bring Check the, the show bells. notes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you so much, Alex, all the way back there in October. <laughs> no, we're in October. You're in the future. I don't know where I am. Well, right now. I'm just surrounded by brushes. So, I just noticed you have brushes everywhere. Yeah, I have brushes <laughs> everywhere that there needs to be a brush, which is near me at all times. <laughs> okay, so far you found four hair brushes. <laughs> I have long, luxurious hair, and that's what people know me for. <laughs> that's what they know you for. Well, maybe they don't by this point. Maybe I've cut off all my hair because that's being a father is stressful. No, you're not cutting off all your hair. You don't know that. You're yes, sitting here pregnant, but we are going to be recording and listening to this. Oh. You know, this is probably going to be late January, early February. You're going to be a, been a mom for a month at this point. I'll be asleep on the floor somewhere. Who knows? Probably. Just passed out. We may have already thrown a cat out of a window. <laughs> no. Um, but we have a fun episode yeah. that we're recording today in yep. October of 2023 mm-hmm. to be played in January of 2024. That's fun. Yeah. And you know what's fun? What I can do? What? Is you know this one button that we're always like, oh my God, can I hit the button? Yeah. I can't. Wait, no, oh. I'm kidding. I can. Oh, you can? Yep. And that's a no Nazi guarantee. Now, the fun part about that. What? Okay. Is that I'm actually going to be talking about a German today. Well, that's great. And great I still news. was able to hit that button. Great news. Because I'm going to be talking about Johann Ludwig Heinrich Julius Schliemann. Okay, so number one, don't know who that is. Number two, impressively long name, sir. Impressively long name. He is more famously known, though, as Heinrich Schliemann. Okay. Okay? Sure. Heinrich Schliemann is very famous in the archaeology world, and I'm going to explain to you why. Oh, great. For the next 90 minutes. I'm excited to learn. Okay, excellent. Uh, so Heinrich Schliemann was born January 6th, 1822. All right. And he was born in Nubakau. Uh, which is a town, today is Germany, but mm-hmm. at the time it was a town in the Grand Duchy of Mecklenburg-Schwerin, uh, which is a sovereign <laughs> member state of the German Confederation. Oh, the way that you speak. I know. Uh, but anyway, his parents were yeah. Ernst Schliemann, mm-hmm. who was a Lutheran minister. Okay, great. And then his mom was Louise Therese Sophie Schliemann. And his mom would read and tell uh, young Heinrich stories from the Iliad and the Odyssey, the epics by Homer. Yeah. Um, And 
Ernst uh, Schliemann, Heinrich's dad, would also like buy him books and things like that about world history. And a lot of world history at this time was about the rediscovering of the classical world. Mm -hmm. So that's why you get like a lot of classical uh, architecture and things like that when you look around. So he's not reading The Hungry Caterpillar. He's reading The Iliad? No, he's, yeah, he's reading, well, he's not so much reading The Iliad as he's having The Iliad and and excerpts from it told to him. Yeah. So he's, he's learning about... Uh, Greek history in that way, but specifically the Homeric tradition. Okay. Uh, and just for our listeners and maybe a little bit for you, that's the period before, like you, we think of it as ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. The Homeric period and the, the Trojan War is actually Greek prehistory. Mm-hmm. So like what we think of as Greece, yeah, like ancient Greece mm-hmm. and ancient Rome, yep. that comes after the Trojan War and all those different things. All right. So there was like a dark age in between and a bunch of other random stuff that happened. So like there's a separation there. Okay. okay. Just want to just want right. to go ahead and lay that in. The Homer. The Homer. Um, Heinrich Schliemann was the fifth of nine children. Okay, great. Because uh, mom. Doing her job. German. Uh, well, then the family was poor. So what else were they going to do? Listen. What? Listen. They were yourself. poor people. Yeah. They're going to read their Bible. Yeah. And they're going to make babies. Catholics, but no Lutherans. Lutherans. Yeah, they're not Catholic. Uh, in fact, they fought a lot of wars over how they weren't Catholic. All right. Uh, his, uh, Heinrich Schliemann's family was very poor, mm-hmm. and his mom died when he was nine years old in 1831. Uh, after his mother's death, Heinrich's father sent him to live with his uncle, Friedrich Schliemann, mm-hmm. uh, who was also a Lutheran pastor. Oh, man. So, that, But this is a kind of common story as we've seen like through history, uh, especially pre-1900s. I was just hoping it was a fun uncle. It was like, oh, you get to go live with your fun uncle. No, he's like, just no. another Lutheran. Another Lutheran. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. where's the fun uncle? He's like, I don't want no kids. So when Heinrich is 11, All right. he is finally able to go to grammar school, which in German is called a gymnasium. Okay, cool. That's like, so that's like grammar school. Gym class. One period, one through eight. Yep. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, he's there for um, about three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he is in, he starts to study history at age 11. So he's learning more and he's getting like actual books and learning even more about like ancient Greece and, and all these everything, the Homeric period. Uh, but he had to transfer out of the gymnasium uh, and go to a real school. Uh-huh. Um that's because his dad was accused of embezzling funds from the church. Oh, okay. Crimes. Yeah. So his dad was skimming some money off the top. At least he was being accused of it. Allegedly. And so they couldn't afford to send Heinrich to a gymnasium. Now, I want to explain this so a little bit. he was stealing money, but he didn't have money? He was stealing enough money, I think, to put his kids into school. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't, they didn't have a lot of money. So it's not like he's stealing money and like, oh yeah, now I'm going to go buy a gold toilet. No. He's like trying to, you know, get the next generation up a leg. Yeah. Um, but here's, I want to explain something about the difference between a gymnasium and a real school. Okay. Uh, where it's, it's, it's spelled real shul, uh, R-E-A-L-S-C-H-U-L-E. Um, so a gymnasium is also a grammar school. That's to prep kids for an academic career. Okay. Uh, so actually going to university and going to like a good university. Okay. That's what happens when you go to a gymnasium. Got it. This is for upper tier kids. Yeah. Real school is a vocational school. Ah. This is like, they're like, you're going to learn your Lincoln one. Lincoln Tech. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> hey, kind of, except actually a step up. 
because you're still going to learn. You're going to learn a foreign language. For most of the kids, it's going to be mm-hmm. English. You're going to learn the specific things. You're going to learn enough to be able to be a good, productive citizen, maybe a good soldier, whatever. But you're going to learn enough yeah. to be able to interact with society. That's the kind of high school my cousin went to. Yeah, real school. Now, this is part of the German system today. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the 1930s, be 1950s, they added hop school. Ooh, that um, way you make beer? Uh, no, a hop school is the third tract. So it's actually a tripart. Oh, that's where I went to school. Yeah, it's a tripart <laughs> system. So it's actually very funny because in my public school system, mm-hmm. we had something similar, but they weren't separate schools. It's called, but it's track learning. Yeah. So you have in my school, you have the AP kids, yep. also known as seminar. Right. Uh, and then we had honors and then you had academic Mm-hmm. And then there was a level, then there was like the kids who need help, help. Yeah. And then there's there's those kids. But this is that same thing. This is Hogwarts sorting hat shit. Okay. But it's done both through testing, but also through- How much money your parents have. Yes. Yeah. 100%. A class system. It's totally a class system. Um, It has been, the uh, Berlin and Hamburg banned real schools in the 2010s, 2011. Um, and they kind of folded them together. So there are still gymnasiums and hop schools, but there isn't the real school. So there's middle. the top track and the bottom track, but they got rid of the middle class. Yeah, it's 2010, baby. That happened around the world. Oh my god! Um, but here's just the trade t- schools are the most important schools. But here, here's the thing to explain to you. No, they still have trade schools and they still have a very heavy apprenticeship system All in Germany, right. much more than the United States. Yeah, much more. It's actually the German trade system is well-respected around the world and their trade unions and all those other things. Um, but here's just a clip. This is what I found on Wikipedia when it comes to uh, real schools. Uh, quote, high school diplomas obtained in Canada or the United States are usually acknowledged as Mittlerreif. As, as, it's the equivalent of the graduation from a real school. They're like, yeah, your high school diploma, your U.S. high school diploma, yeah, you're like one of our middle kids. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, however, students may apply for certain subjects at a university. All students holding an American high school diploma may apply for the Studienkolleg, and after successfully graduating from this, they may attend a German university. So if you go to American high school mm-hmm. and then go to Germany and try to go to a German university, they're going to say, no, you have to actually go to prep college. Yeah. Because we don't think you're you you You've understand not enough. You've proven yourself sh- smart enough in this scenario. Those holding a high school diploma can choose from a right, wider range of possible major subjects at a German university if they did well on the SAT or ACT. Those who ha- scored higher than a thirteen hundred on the SAT or higher than a twenty eight on the ACT may apply for any subject at a German university. Damn. So if you don't have high SAT scores, they're going to make you go to this remedial class in between high school and college in Germany. Uh, But this is is the system that Heinrich is in. So Heinrich, it gets sent. He he is smart enough to go to the top tier. But he has to go to the other one. But he has to go to the middle because he's poor. Yeah. Uh, and they're incredibly poor, so poor that he actually couldn't afford to go to university once he finished real school mm-hmm. at all. Same, bro, same. Um, so at 14, Heinrich entered the German workforce, Okay. and he became an apprentice at a grocery. Always I, with the grocery stores. I know. I don't know what that means, though, an apprentice at a grocery. I actually don't know what it means at that time. So I don't know if that means like he was sorting fruit and veg and those things and like how to do the import export mm. you know like i don't i don't think this is the same as walking the aisle and, with the sticker it, they gun would say that it, if it was like the like the butcher part of the grocery 
It would say an apprentice to a butcher. A butcher, yeah. Hmm. So I don't know quite what that entails at this time. Maybe this he's, is... remember a million years ago mm-hmm. when I worked at that uh, the fruit produce place, place yeah, yeah. and I had to be there at like 4 a.m. every day? It could be like it that. It like that. It could be like that. Um, there is a note in here about, again, so one thing I do want to go ahead and clear up now, Heinrich is a consummate liar. Oh. Uh, so I want to make that clear. And from this moment, like literally from this moment forward, oh. right here at 14, we we should stop believing most of what he's saying. Like, there's some things. That, there's a lot of things that we actually have proof of. Yeah. And uh, but but any sort of but side you story. You want me to believe that? Okay, so his mom passed away when he was nine. That's true. And she was reading him the Iliad before then. We or did don't, he no, say no. that? He said that. Ah, come but on, then, hungry, but then, caterpillar ass motherfucker. But then at the same time, he also claimed the reason why he really loved Homer is because he heard a drunken Miller reciting Homeric poetry while he was working at the grocery store. So again, now you already have, there's already three stories as to why he's super into Homer and the okay. Iliad and the Odyssey. I mean, honestly, if I was working at a grocery store and there was a drunk Miller t- uh, talking about big old poems, yeah. I'd probably be into it. Uh, then there's this quote. Uh, he labored for five years at the grocery until he was forced to leave because he hurt his chest lifting a heavy barrel and coughed up blood. So I tried to check that source, but it's in German. So I'm just going to go with Wikipedia on that one. Hmm. That was one of those ones where I was hmm. like, ah, that's that's why it says on the resume, you got to be able to pick up 50 pounds. Yep. Uh, so in 1841. It's actually just a loophole to, uh, to keep older people out and disabled people. And okay. pregnant people. And pregnant people. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, yeah, that's it. The 50 pound <laughs> loophole. You know what's funny? When I got office jobs, it would say 25 pounds. Yeah. But if it was like anything, Amen. any cash register position, they're yeah. like, yeah, you got to be able to lift 50 pounds. When I worked at a bank, right? When yeah. I worked as a teller, I had to be able to lift 50 pounds. Uh-huh. When I moved back office, I had to only be, my, my job description literally dropped 25 pounds. And I was like, suck it. System's broken. Yeah. But I was like, but emotionally I was carrying more because when yeah. I worked at a bank teller, <laughs> right? I was just cashing checks. Yeah, the so people would come in. Heavier. But when I went back office, they were like, hey, can you uh, do a credit analyst on whether or not this landlord should charge more rent? And I was like, I really would like to not. And they were like, well, guess what? Guess what, buddy? Do you want health insurance? Hmm. So at age 19, okay. Heinrich doesn't have a job. Uh, so he starts looking for a new job. Oh. And he decides to become a cabin boy on a ship that's going to go to Venezuela. All right. That is a strong choice. He's a big jump from the a grocery cabin store. cabin boy. A, from grocery, a 19-year-old cabin boy from being a five-year Germany grocery. Germany to Venezuela. Yep. That is a trip. That's a trip. That's a fucking trip. Funny fact, when I was in, like 19, I also was considering going and getting a job on a boat, but I... Uh, notoriously don't love a boat. Yeah. And no, no, that's not true. Wait, I take that back. I like a lake boat. You I like, like a, a pontoon, pontoon boat. boat. Yeah. Okay. I don't like a cruise ship, but okay. I got offered a job uh, working at a hair salon on a cruise ship. Yeah. And I was like, this is a really good paying job. And then I was like, I'm going to be trapped on that fucking boat. Yeah. For how long? Yeah. Absolutely not. And I didn't take that job. Not smart. But not him. But not him. He did it. He took it. To Venezuela. Yeah. That's so, a wild trip. So picture Germany real quick. Okay. Okay. Picture modern Germany. You, mm-hmm. you see it in your mind's eye, right? Yeah. David Bowie's there in a leather jacket. Okay. It's but, Berlin, 1985. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about on the map. <laughs> you know where Germany is on a map, yeah. right? You know, Denmark sticks around all, up around the top. Yeah. Okay. So he gets on this boat. Okay. And it's, he's kind of like, so if you look, think of Germany like this, like a big pan. He's mm-hmm. at the top corner. He takes off from the boat. Go around Denmark. 12 days he's at sea. Massive storm hits and the boat sinks. Shut up. 
And so he and a few of the other survivors, they do survive, and they wash up on the shores of the Netherlands. Okay. Uh, where he just stays. Oh, yep. Because this is like borders aren't real. And yeah. Like borders are a new thing. Yeah. That's a new idea. Borders, very new. Yeah. Um, so he stays there for a while, actually. He's like, this place seems nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone, like a lot of people, and he's in the Netherlands, you know, so people there speak German. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a job as a messenger. And then he starts working his way up. So at this at this uh, office building, starts off as a messenger. Then he works his way up to office attendant, which is kind of like a front desk type yeah. of person. Uh, then he gets his, makes his way to bookkeeper. Okay. And again, remember, this is just somebody with basic vocational school. Uh, and then in 1844, at the age of 22, mm-hmm. Schliemann gets a job at an import-export firm. All right. Now- um, Logistics. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is where his life changes again. Okay. Because again, what he's doing now is he is buying goods and selling goods. So he's buying goods from a foreign foreign country yeah so maybe spices or stuff like that he's importing them mm-hmm. and then he is trading them here and then he's taking stuff from the netherlands and then shipping that maybe to america whatever he's moving stuff through yeah. like you said logistics and um now this is what's wild um at 22 he gets a job by 24 he is promoted to general agent and he is sent to saint petersburg russia Okay. Now, one thing you need to understand about Heinrich is that he is two things. A liar? Three things. Okay. He is a liar, Uh but he is also an autodidact. I don't know what that means. An autodidact is someone who can teach themselves things incredibly quickly. Oh, okay. He is a self-learned man when Mm -hmm. it comes to a lot of things. And that is true. He is actually very, very good at figuring things out. The other thing he is is a polyglot. What is that? That is someone who speaks multiple languages. Oh, cool. And he's also able to pick up multiple languages. Uh, Quote, his rise to fortune was based to some extent on his knowledge of the Russian language. It seems the person having been in charge of the Russian correspondence at the merchant house in Holland died suddenly. Hmm. And the merchants were in a quandary as to how to supply, how how to, uh, you know, fix, you know, replace him. Yeah. Schliemann volunteered his services, but everyone looked at him upon him with suspicion until he went to work with the correspondents and showed them that he had actually mastered the Russian language. Oh. Um, Schliemann taught himself Russian. Yeah. Along with a lot of other languages. And slowly he developed his own um, way to teach himself any language in six weeks. Well, shit. Don't tell that little Al app. <laughs> Duolingo. Yeah, don't tell Duolingo about this. Yeah, he basically he basically did early Duolingo to himself. One of the things I read is that he was able to wherever he went, he immersed himself in the language completely, including his diaries and journals are only written in the local language. I mean, he that's tried to only good. do that language. That's kind of what you're supposed to do, right? Like when you go to other um, countries as part of a program with education for a language, you're supposed to like immerse yourself in mm-hmm. it. And he did that completely. Um, by the end of his life, mm-hmm. he could speak English, French, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, Russian, Swedish, Polish, Greek, Latin, Arabic, uh, and uh, Turkish dialects. Damn. Along with his native German. Well, shit. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah, it's very, very impressive. Um, now, now what he does during this time is he um, in Russia. 
He's in Russia. He starts to make a lot of money while he's working as a, as an agent in St. Petersburg. Because also remember that this is... He's still doing logistics in He's Russia. still doing re- logistics. This is also pre-computers. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is on paper, and yep. a lot of this is based on your word. So there's also a lot of corruption and graft. Yeah. And so there's a lot of room. Corruption in Russia? I know. Well, I know. What? and, I and know like in that. general in logistics, there's a lot of room. <laughs> there's a lot of room to put your thumb on the scales. Oh. And there's a lot of room to be able to, you know, skim a little off the top and not get caught like his idiot dad. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, there's. His father was trying to get his kids through school. Well, he learned from his dad, don't get caught. That was his only schooling he needed. Uh, in 1850. Heinrich is in St. Petersburg, and he receives word that one of his brothers has died, specifically his brother Ludwig. Okay. Ludwig was living in California at the time. Um, There's the fun uncle. Found yep, him. Yep. Uh, Ludwig was living in California where he had become incredibly rich. Yeah. Uh, and he was incredibly rich because he was a gold speculator. Okay. Uh, due to the California gold rush. Yeah. So you remember that, you know, the 49ers, the San Francisco yeah. 49ers? Yeah. Well, this is... 1849. Yeah. There it is, 1850. Uh, Ludwig dies. Did he get murdered because he had full of gold? It didn't say. He I just he, he just died. No, dude. Um, when you got cash and you got gold and you're covered in gold. I'm covered in gold. <laughs> you're you're, you're a, a target primed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he's just a German guy walking around. Und hello, I'm mm-hmm. Mr. Ludwig. Would you yeah. please sell oh, me your gold? No way. See, that's Come Hello, on. little girl. Sell me the gold. No, this is this is a target. Um, now again, uh, we're gonna start. We're getting into some lie territory. Yeah. Here. Okay. Cool. And we know these are lies. Yeah. Uh, because in September 1850, California becomes the 31st state of the union. That's not a lie. That's not a lie. Okay. However, Heinrich claimed that because he was in California. Mm-hmm. In September of 1850, at the time statehood was declared, uh-huh. that he automatically got U.S. citizenship, which is true. You can get it that way. Huh. If you are in, if you are a resident of the state of a territory as mm-hmm. it becomes a state, you could get citizenship. Oh, that way. I see. This is just yet another ladder the old heads pulled up behind themselves. Yep, because uh, there's no new states. There's yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now here's a problem with that. In September okay. 1850, mm-hmm. Heinrich was still in St. Petersburg. Okay. But he is now claiming U.S. citizenship. Um, That's the most U.S. shit you can do. Yeah. Heinrich uh, finally did head to California. He arrived in America in early 1851. Oh, my God. Imagine. San Francisco area? No, no. He arrives in the East Coast first because he leaves from Russia. He leaves from St. Petersburg via boat. Mm -hmm. It takes months. Yeah, of course. He crosses the Atlantic. Uh He arrives and he claims immediately that he had dinner with Millard Fillmore. The okay. president of the United States of America. I'm sure he didn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, other people were like, no, you didn't. You read about that in the newspaper. And then you wrote in letters to other people that you no, claimed No, I just was in. loving the idea of like, imagine being in Germany, the Netherlands, St. Petersburg for all those years. And then you make it to California. And you're just like, what is this warmth? Yeah. What is this godson that lives above us? <laughs> the weather is never below 70. No, instead he made it to Washington, D.C. Oh, and he was like, Ugh. And then he had, you were like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. We're going west. Um, so he was still, but he, he made it to Washington, D.C. Well, um, if he went to D.C., how do you know he didn't see the president? Because everyone knows every that he I just. Every time I go to D.C., I see Biden. Because everything that they, well, that's true for me, not you. No, that's ah. why it's false. Uh, no, because the, the account he writes. Yeah. Is like almost word for word a newspaper article. 
Incredible. Of like a dinner that the president had. He mad libs some stuff he saw in the news. He does this constantly because he can speak so many different languages. He will just steal other stuff in other languages. You know what he is? Mm. He is a white TikToker finding black creators on TikTok. Oh my god! And just ganking all of their fucking comedy. <laughs> just say ganking. Yeah, ganking, dude. I haven't heard that in so long. I know we, we're bringing it back. We're, we're bringing, bringing that back. Unless it's oh wait, I don't know. I, I you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Google the don't history Google of ganking. It. Don't Google it. All right. Um. So, uh. So like I said, in 1850, he gets there. Uh, 1851. What was I had the dinner. other thing you were saying the other day that I was like, you can't use it that way. What? Zooted. <laughs> yeah. You were like, he's so zooted. I was like, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to bring back old terminology. You don't I, know what it I, means. Listen, ganked, zooted, <laughs> debomb.com. Oh, no. Let's bring back debomb.com. No, we should not. All right. Um, that died after 9-11. Whoa, okay, let's go. Move well, because you couldn't be on it, you couldn't be like, that's the bomb.com, and then you get tackled at an airport. Yeah. Um, all right, so he claims he had dinner with the president, lie. Uh, then he also uh claimed that he personally witnessed the San Francisco fire of 1851. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in his accounts, he says it happens in June, uh, it actually happened in May. So okay. he's just lying, he's not that far off. Yeah, but he's like, he, he's off by a month, ah. for like an eyewitness account. Ah. But Heinrich did actually go to California, mm-hmm. where he started a bank in Sacramento. He started a bank. Yes, he started. But he has a he has money at this point. Okay. Uh, he's 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 doing well. He's not rich, but he's doing well. Oh, he's one of those rich people that goes, "I'm comfortable." Um, but so over six months, mm-hmm. he bought and sold over a million dollars of gold dust. All right. That's... So so people are bringing him gold dust, and he's weighing it out, and mm-hmm. he's saying, "All right, I'll give you ten dollars." $20 and then he's reselling that for 30 or $40. Yeah. He's basically GameStop. You're trading in your used gold and then he's selling it for more for the listeners. Just so you understand. Um, See, I thought he was just going to cut it with some baking soda and then resell it. So funny story. He was accused of shorting the weights of the gold <laughs> measurements uh, by Rothschild's agents and other banking agents. Okay. Uh, and then he quickly fled California while claiming that everyone that he was coming down with an illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, by 1852, he had sold the bank and moved back to Russia. Well. So it's 1852. He got caught cutting. He's back in Russia. He gets a new correspondence when he's in Russia. All right. He hears that his childhood sweetheart, a young woman named Mina. Okay. Had uh, been married. Okay. Congratulations. Mazel tov. Uh, this makes him uh, very upset. All right. Because he uh, thought he was going to become rich enough someday to finally marry Mina. But has uh, he been staying in contact? I did, we did not talk about... He's a man. Oh. Okay. Uh, so do I need to make that clear? Like, I, like he's a lunatic, crazy person. Yeah. So. I'm just like, he's running around the world making money, and he's Ebenezer Scrooge yeah, from he, yeah. Christmas Carol. Yeah, the love is gone. So he's in he's in St. Petersburg. He's yeah. looking around. He's like, the love is gone. I need some love. Okay, so then what does um, he do? So he turns to a rich friend of his, and mm-hmm. he's like, I need to get a wife. And the rich friend's like... What about uh, my niece, Ekaterina Petrovna Lishin? Sure. That's basically what he says. Yeah. So at the age of 30, Heinrich marries Ekaterina. Uh, she is 26. So it's okay. actually- a Not se- too bad. That's I an was, appropriate- I was going to be concerned. I know. I know. There's a lot. Sometimes when we do these and whenever I- I was a little concerned I like there. to write down the ages sometimes just to keep everybody on their All toes. All right. Um. They are married. Uh-huh. Uh, Schliemann then corners the market on indigo dye. 
Oh, cool. Uh, he makes shit tons of money. So by that, he buys up all of the stock of Indigo yeah. and then is holding it, holding it mm-hmm. and then only releasing a little bit. So the price of Indigo shoots up. Whenever a competitive a competitor steps into the market, he then dumps a lot of indigo in the market to put them out of completely out of business. Yeah, um, yeah he does some crazy shit. Yeah. Completely legal. Orange futures. Yeah, exactly. Like trading places. A hundred percent. Orange futures. Uh, I'm so glad that trading places taught me so much. <laughs> it taught us enough. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis has great boobs. Great boobs. Um, that guy, uh, you, go, you gotta check who you're giving your money to. Yep. And Orange Futures. Orange Futures. And Dan Aykroyd, a little yeah, autistic. Just a little. Just a little. Uh, 1854. Okay. Heinrich is now 32 years old. Old. For that time? Yeah. Yeah, about that. like 20 years left at that time, right? Yeah, about, about, yeah, about them. But he's, he's, he's pretty rich. That that doesn't mean anything. No, it actually means, meant like, something back then. No, because it like whenever we read these stories and they're this rich, then they're always like eating too much pork sausage or drinking or smoking too much because they're so That's rich. That's true. That's true. And so then they have a shorter life. Well, Heinrich figured out something uh, pretty quickly. Okay. Because in 1854, the Crimean War breaks out. All right. Do you know what the Crimean War is? I I know some of it, but not a lot of it. Okay. Uh, so Crimea. Yep. It's uh, it's a little like archipelago, not archipelago, peninsula mm-hmm. that sticks out today. We're actually fighting a war over it now. Uh, oh. Ukraine and mm-hmm. Russia are fighting over it. It's that little island that sticks out into the Black Sea, uh, but it's connected to the land. Uh, that was part of a war between Russia mm-hmm. and an alliance of the Ottoman Empire, France and Britain. Oh, that's a. That's a that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of the uh, British and the French though teamed up, which was like that was new. News. That yeah. was big news. And the Ottoman Empire, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, is today it was like centered in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Constantinople, Istanbul, that whole deal. Yeah. Um, so it's a big war. Heinrich looks around and becomes a military contractor. But not like. Are we still lying? No, this is true. Wow. We have records of this. He becomes a Russian military contractor. Oh my god! Now, not like that guy who got shot out of the sky after trying to kill Putin. Not okay. like that type. Like the classic, like Tony Stark military mm, contractor. Mm-hmm. He corners three markets. Okay, On, indigo. No gold dust. Nope. <laughs> Saltpeter, sulfur, and lead. Okay, so the things you need to make explosives. Things you need to make ammunition. Yeah. Specifically. So you need salt, pa- saltpeter and sulfur to make gunpowder. Yeah. And lead for the bullets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he corners the markets on those. He said, Lockheed Martin, baby. So the only people, the only people that the Russians could buy it from is him. Um, he resells all of them to the Russians for a markup. The Russians love him for it because oh they're God. fucking idiots. Uh, and he becomes... Even incredibly more rich. rich war Incredi- profiteering war, war profiteering tony stark rich okay um but he was already rich from the die and the fake bank yeah well okay. he was probably like upper he was he was probably the lower end of upper class mm-hmm. but he's now getting into i have more money than i'll ever be able to spend yeah like i can't fuck i like not not like not like i can't ever be touched but i can't fuck up so hard that it could all be taken away yeah He's getting into that Elon Musk territory, Ugh, that Jeff Bezos territory. Where you could like buy something and then destroy it on purpose, even though you invested a bunch of money into it. Funny story. You have no idea how how accurate you are predicting the future of this story. <laughs> uh, Henrik and Ekaterina have three children. 
Yeah, and they're going to go to the gymnasium schools. Uh, they are born between 1855 and 1861. Their eldest is Sergey. Sergey. That's, that's their son. Good name. And they have two daughters, Natalia and Nadezda. Nadezda. Nadezda? Okay. Nadezda. Natty. Yeah. Natty and Natty. Oh, wow. The yep. accent really can't doesn't differentiate on that one. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> uh, natty and Natty. Um, and so now this is... This is is the the area where you start to have the split what in do you his mean, life. Split? Oh, so before this, up until the war, and the end of the war, he is working so hard to make money because he doesn't ever want to be poor again. Yeah, okay. But now he has made so much money that he is able to officially retire at the age of thirty six. Oh, like one of those dudes on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. He's, He's like hustle culture. He hustle grinded so hard and he looks around. He's like, I don't need to keep working. Yeah. Retire. Have a good time. I can just, I can just retire. Does he actually do that or does he keep working? No, no. He doesn't keep working in any of the import export fields or cornering any more markets or any of those things. He starts to follow his dream, which is to be an archaeologist and to be the man to find the fabled city of Troy. Wow. Okay. Yes. I didn't. You didn't see where that was going. I was like, so he's going to move to like the south of France and go live on a beach and just eat nice foods. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. No. He wants to travel around the world and be Indiana Jones before Indiana Jones was ever even dreamed up. I mean, man, Indiana but he's a rich cool. German, so it's he's going to be the bad guy from Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah, he's he's going to try to steal all the artifacts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. So he's super rich. Uh-huh. He starts to travel around the world. He's also starting to like study in actual universities and schools and Is stuff like that. Is he dragging the wife and kids for this? It's, I, I actually have a note on this. It's the next <laughs> note. He is trying to. Uh-huh. But Katarina yeah. says no. Leave me alone. No, she refuses <laughs> to leave Russia. Um, mm. So he's traveling around the world. He's going to Paris. He's going to all these different places. And um, he keeps writing to Katarina. Send Sergey to me. I want Sergey to go to school. She's like, nah. In Paris. <laughs> and she, exactly. She says no because she doesn't want the children to leave Russia. She wants the children to be raised in the Russian Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. And she wants them to have a love for Mother Russia because how could they be someone anywhere else in the world if they don't know where they come from? Okay. So she doesn't want that's a 13-year-old very, child. very, Russian of her. Yes. That's like, it's very that's Russian. so Russian. Yeah, it's very Russian. That's... Um, he threatens to divorce her a couple times. Go for it. I want that alimony, baby. Uh, he threatens to divorce her a couple times. It doesn't really work. Um, I'm picturing her now as the wife from, what's that really fun pirate show? With um, Oh, uh, Our Flag Means Death. Yeah, Our Flag Means Death. Like the wife that's at home with the kids. Yes. And she's like, yeah, go ahead. And they're like, he died. We don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Like she's, she's just happy now. She's just happy living her life. And she just has her money and she's having well, a time. The thing to know, though, is in Russian... In the Russian uh, society at this time, like divorce was unheard of. Yeah. There is no divorce. So you she's get, like, you can't. You can't. You get eaten by a bear and you die. Yeah. That's it. Those are the options. You die or you drink yourself to death slowly in the cabin. Yeah. For the love of Mother Russia. Yeah. The and end. he's like, no, I, but I wish to find Troy. And they're like, okay. Um, uh, so in 1868, the age of 44, Schliemann travels across Greece. Now, it's important to realize that Greece uh, has only been an independent of the Ottoman Empire for about 40 years at this point. All right. Um, the Ottoman Empire had covered all of Greece. They had a war for independence. 
And during that war for independence, that is actually when a lot of, in the early, like late 1700s to early 1800s, people start to rediscover the ancient world. Mm Mm-hmm. So you also had Europeans who were going on what's called the Grand Tour. Yeah. Is this back when they like, because again, I don't know all the timelines, but like, is this when they started in quotes, like the archaeological digs where they're just stealing stuff? Yes. Like when they started eating mummies for powder? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Like so all this, the Europeans this a, got obsessed with that shit. Yeah. And, and but, started pillaging. But you also have this thing where they get obsessed with these different pockets of the world. So like mm. Egypt, they get obsessed with Egypt for a yeah. little bit. And they go they get obsessed with India for a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's also a period of time around the war for Greek independence because a lot of people are also backing the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's also a tie in of like the ancient hatred of the Ottoman Empire and the, because they're Muslim versus the rest of the world and all Wait this different a stuff. Minute. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> we can't actually. What? What? It's, it's like because this is going to be a future episode. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. You're wondering my, like, my, oh, I, do you think it's still. My, do, are you wondering if whether or not the Israeli-Palestinian conflict are still going on? I, I, we, there's no way to know on this date how, what next week's going to look like. Yeah. And anything you say or I say could be wildly inappropriate. So I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Well, still as we record same. this on October 16th, 2023. Yes. Yeah. But back in the 1820s, when the Greek War of Independence is happening, you have guys like, um, uh, who's the, the guy, Mary Shelley's husband, Lord Byron and stuff like that. They go to Greece. Mm-hmm. Greek culture and clothing is very popular. And then after they win independence, more people go to Greece because now it's no longer a war zone because mm-hmm. now you have these guys who come back like, oh, Greece is beautiful. They have such beautiful uh, land and all this different stuff. And then other people go and they're like, oh, my God, look, they just have like all this ancient shit lying around. Yeah. And there's like all really these statues, cheeses and fishes, the combination of things. So that's where like archaeology starts to build up. <laughs> this is different than when we went to Greece. No, it was much different. Um, we were like, let us into Turkey immediately. So. Uh, so. Heinrich gets to Greece and he's traveling around. He learns Greek. He learns more things. And while he's there, he writes his second book. Oh, self-published? Uh, self-published, On yes. Amazon.com? His first book uh, was about China and Japan. It's li- a lot of them are still in- said he went to China or Japan. He didn't. He just wrote a book about him. Um, again, he's rich, so he just writes books about stuff. And this is oh back then God. when like- but. Remember, back then, write, quote unquote, writing a book is the same as publishing a blog. Like, it's just, yeah. you can do it. It doesn't mean everybody's going to read it. His second book, though, is, is it's still in German. It has never been translated. It's just called Ithaca, the Peloponnese, and Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, he describes multiple ancient sites across Greece and the Ottoman Empire. He claims in the book that, that he found the fabled house of Odysseus on the oh. island of Ithaca, and he wrote a topographical analysis of the island of Ithaca. Uh, again, Ithaca, again, it's a very small island off of the coast of western Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're playing the game Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it is one of the first destinations you go uh, in oh. that game. Uh, and uh, Schliemann submitted this book. Uh, he write, you know, he writes the whole book out, and he he gets it printed and he sh- submits it to the University of Rostock in Germany, mm-hmm. and they accept this as his PS- PhD dissertation in absentia. Uh, so they read it over and they go, "Hey, this is great. You are now officially Doctor Schliemann." Wait, so he got a PhD based on a lie? Uh, yes, because later scholars and that analyzed the book. Yeah, 
and they realize that like almost the entire book is so uh, he got the name plagiarized. doctor but he didn't do it right so he's a chiropractor whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's using that doctor term loosely wow what this is an anti-chiropractor podcast uh, I can crack my own neck. Thanks so much. <laughs> so it's 1868. Uh, during this time, also, while he's traveling around Greece, Schliemann is trying to get permits because uh, he wants to start digging. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, I know this is not the case back then. Yeah. But the thought of the trying to get permits from the Greek government in 2023 is an incredible thought. <laughs> yeah. But in 1868, he's trying to get archaeology oh, permits. I can't. Um, I, I jumped ahead because I found this really late, but I do want to, when I was doing my research. Um, so he's going around to all these different sites and he's just like begging them and he's begging them and he's begging them. And uh, the government would not give him a permit. No. Because to get clearance, the government only had X number of permits that they've written out. Mm-hmm. And they went ahead and just gave those permits to the Archaeology Society of Athens. Mm-hmm. So he has to keep going to them and they keep going, no, you're just some rich asshole. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he keeps getting sent away. Uh, and then in 1869, Schliemann returns to the United States. And this is where we're going to take a short little break. He's coming, so he's coming back to the U.S. Yes. So he's going around Greece. He's tried to he's, he tried to do he some made excavation. A fake book got a fake PhD. Yes, did not get to do any archaeological digs. Yep, that he did not discover Troy. No, nope. not he's yet. Coming back he hasn't to done any of this yet, but he, now he's coming back to America. All right. Uh, but it's to be to be one thing to be fair. Mm-hmm. The money is real. Oh, okay. All right. So when we come back, we'll find out about why Heinrich Schliemann went to Indianapolis, Indiana. I can't think of one good reason. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back. 
Yeah. So when we left off, Heinrich Schliemann had returned to America. Yep. And he goes to Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, yep. And I uh, and my statement was I couldn't think of one good reason. I can think of a good reason what to is go it? to Indianapolis, Indiana. Fried pork? No. What? Uh, to reenact scenes from Parks and Rec. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's that, or maybe to go to like Mike Pence's childhood home. No, absolutely not that. Um, so I'm going to read you this. This is from the Hoosier State Chronicles archives. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> when Heinrich Schliemann, obsessed with the dreams of Achilles, Agamemnon, and the 10-year siege of Troy, showed up in the Greek-sounding town of Indianapolis in April 1869, the place was remarkably German. Lockerbie Square was often called Germantown. Mm -hmm. In that neighborhood especially, Schliemann would have found a thriving cultural mix of radical German free thinkers, refugees from the failed 1848 revolutions, and confessional Lutherans who left Germany to avoid government meddling with their worship. Yeah. But as Hermann Lieber recalled, Schliemann wasn't a famous archaeologist. He was, quote, not then recognized as a great person. He was very a very entertaining talker and an excellent company. If it had been suspected that he would ever have been such a lion, he certainly would have received greater attention. Now, Schliemann wasn't there because of the great German population. But that's what I was saying is because I knew that Indianapolis had a big German population, which is why they got the fried pork schnitzels. Yeah. Do you want to know why he was there? Yeah. To get a divorce. Wait, what the fuck? She's in Russia. Yeah, but he has traveled to Indianapolis, Indiana, because in 1869, Uh that was one of the easiest states to get a fucking divorce in America. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so he travels all the way. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. That's honestly incredible. Because here's why it's important. Mm -hmm. Because he is claiming Mm -hmm. that he was in California in 1850, so Heinrich Schliemann is currently a United States citizen. Yep. Okay. I see. I see how this is working out. Do you hear where the lies are starting to compound into each other? So he shows up, Mm -hmm. and he gets involved in this entire thing because, again, as I said earlier, divorce is scandalous and rare in Russia. Does she? How is she even going to know? He's just going to file it here, and they're going to mail it to her. So it wasn't quick. They weren't quickie divorces. No. Like today, Reno, Nevada is known for quickie divorces. That's where we're going. Uh, no, we're going to Erie, Pennsylvania, baby. Come on, we already <laughs> promised. Shake that shake, hand. Shaking on it. Uh, we already know it. that's priced cheap there. <laughs> cheap. You got to go. You got to do it in person. You cannot file it online. Yeah. You have to drive to Erie and Erie, Pennsylvania. But and there's I, nothing that will solidify a divorce like a road trip to Erie, Pennsylvania. No, you can both pay. We can both pay separate lawyers, and they can go do it. Oh, okay. We can we can stamp it here. We can get everything done. It's just a matter of you file the divorce yeah. there. Um. So this is how Indiana became the divorce capital of the world. In the 1850s, Indiana legislators wrote a new state constitution, and in that constitution, the state's divorce laws. Uh, were slightly changed because there was a movement of feminists who pushed for more relaxed, easier to get divorces. No fault divorces. Not no fault divorces. Not those. Not fully. But there's you you had more options. Before you had to go to like practically back to church canon law yeah. to prove like we've never had sex. We've never had these but if if somebody was abusive that's an you could get no you could get a divorce in oh, Indiana. In Indianapolis. Okay. If there were certain things you could go there. You still had to show fault, mm. but you it was an easier level to jump. 
Um, the state's divorce laws attracted huge numbers of migratory divorce seekers. Public alarm became evident as dramatic reports described the Hoosier state as a divorce mecca, <laughs> churning out easy divorces to people from stricter straight states with little regard for long-term consequences to spouses and children. Okay. It was nicknamed a copper bottom divorce. A copper bottom divorce. What's that mean? I have no idea. I tried desperately Cop- to figure I out mean, what that means. I mean, there's copper bottom pots. Yeah, it's kind of, but I guess it's like quickie. It, it, it co- I guess, comes to a boil easily, I guess. Yeah, like the copper bottom pot gets hot faster. Mm. Maybe that's I why. I don't know. Um, Schleeman, again, had multiple reasons. He has American citizenship mm-hmm. uh, that he's claiming. Alleged. That that forces him to go to an American court under his you know as he's alleging, um, and he also believed that since he wants to dig and search for Troy in the Ottoman Empire, it would probably be easier for him to not be married to a Russian woman who the Ottomans just had a fucking war with. Mm. So maybe get her out of here, and then he can like cut off that Russian connection. I feel like hear me out. Uh, thinking about this time period. Nobody gave a fuck about his wife. Nobody's asking about his wife. Men didn't talk about their wives like that. No, but if you're married to a uh, Russian, not noble woman, but like a Russian merchant, like the the niece of a Russian merchant, Mm -hmm. and you yourself were the arms dealer that sold the guns. No, see, because that's the, the, it's the arms dealer for the Russian military. That's the problem. It's not her. Yeah, hold on. I'm not done. But by cutting her off, you're also saying I'm not going to be selling to her family anymore mm-hmm. and her family then sells to the czar. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm cutting off that whole thing. Sure. That's, it's arguable. It's I, arguable. I, I would argue that men back in this time period didn't look at your wife as a reason. But they would look to your wife's connections and to her family. I guess. That's the argument. That's the but argument. But in Greece, in Greece, they're asking in those questions? Turkey. Okay. In, under the Ottoman Empire, All which was right. an empire that was falling apart at the seams, <laughs> who was constantly at war with Russia. Yeah. All right. And the Russian Empire, by the way, at this point in time, every Russian czar yeah. since Peter the Great was handed a letter that Peter. The, remember, we did the whole episode. Yeah. We, we talked about Peter the Great. And Peter the Great, Peter the Great's dream was to retake Constantinople on behalf of Christendom. Yeah. So he wanted to conquer the capital of the Ottoman. He wanted Istanbul and he wanted to kill as many Turks as possible. Mm -hmm. Maybe being married to a subject of that czar isn't a great look when you're trying to go dig in the dirt for some reason in the middle of Turkey. I guess, but I also think he's full of lies. That's also true. Um, So Schliemann in 1869 checks into a hotel in Indianapolis and he hires three attorneys and he files a divorce petition. To convince the judge that Schliemann was not a divorced tourist, he bought interest in the Union Starch Company, as well as a small house on Noble Street in Indianapolis. Okay. I looked it up. The house is no longer there. It is an empty field now. Oh, all right. Uh, much like his barren divorce. All Whoa. right. I'm kidding. The divorce wasn't barren. They had three kids. Schliemann wrote uh, in his diary about living in Indiana. Uh, one of the things it is highlighted very heavily. Okay. Is his hatred of Indiana blue laws. <laughs> his diary entry 
for June 1st, 1869 reads, quote, the most disagreeable thing here is the Sabbath law by which it is prohibited to grocers, barbers, and even to bakers to open their shops on Sundays. So he's not complaining. He's not complaining that he can't get a beer on a Sunday. No, he's like, everything is fucking closed on Sundays. It and that's is stupid. annoying as hell. Um, so the divorce court received the perjured testimony from Schliemann, <laughs> as well as letters from Schliemann's wife. Oh, what'd she have to say? Um, there's a couple different letters, and basically over and over again, they just keep saying the same thing. Like, I'm not fucking leaving Russia, you dick. Uh, in one letter, Ekaterina wrote from St. Petersburg, quote, The sole reason and only reason of all of our disagreement is that you desire I should leave Russia and join you in America. But this I most decidedly decline and refuse to do. And I assure you with an oath that for nothing in the world I shall ever leave Russia and that I would sooner die than live together with you in a foreign country. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> in, uh, on June 30th, 1869, uh -huh. uh, once Judge Blair, who was the judge overseeing the sure. trial, uh, was convinced that the petitioner's wife and young children in Russia were provided for because it was shown records that he is paying for their estate, he's yep. paying for all those things, the kids' education, all those things. The marriage of, quote, Henry and Catherine Schliemann was annulled. Okay, congratulations, I guess. Yep. Uh, Schliemann had tricked the court. Yep. Like almost everybody who came out from an Indiana divorce, he immediately abandoned the state and fled back to Greece. <laughs> Well, one of the there in that that uh that article from the Hoosier uh, yeah. the Chronicles that I read you, I, I read it. It was from it was it was an interview from all these different Germans living in the area at the time, remembering him later. So the article is written uh, after his death in the 1890s. So it's people just remembering his stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of them said, "quote He did not seem to be much impressed with Indianapolis." <laughs> Uh, Ekaterina Schliemann sued from St. Petersburg and tried to nullify the Indiana judge's ruling, but uh, Heinrich was already gone, um, and the lawyers uh, were then kind of left in the lurch. Oh, he because didn't pay the his lawyers? lawyers were like, "No, he's definitely not gonna flee, judge," <sighs> and he just ran off. Um, Heinrich then gets to Greece. He uh, buys a house in Athens. Okay, uh, and he's there. And he asks a friend of his, who the one who helped him learn Greek earlier, mm -hmm. uh, a Greek Orthodox archbishop. He says, hey, I need your help. I need to find me a new wife. Oh, okay. Wow. He's looking for wow. somebody. He's going to marry a Greek lady? Yeah, he specifically. <laughs> he just likes women that are going to yell at him. He's like, Russians, Greeks, me, we're going to yell. He said, <laughs> quote, he's looking for someone who would be, quote, enthusiastic about Homer and about a rebirth of my beloved Greeks with a Greek name and a soul impassioned for learning. Okay. He also demanded that she be a dark-haired beauty. Oh, all right. The archbishop showed Heinrich three photos, mm. and he picked Sophia. I'm not going to try to pronounce her maiden name. Got it. Fair enough. And gastronomical. Yep, sure. Uh, Sophia was the daughter of the archbishop's cousin. Okay. Convenient. Sure. It feel, that that feels like, yeah, that feels very Greek. Mm -hmm. Oh, you need a girl? I got a cousin. I got a cousin. Yeah. Um, they were quickly married. Dr. Schliemann was 47. Okay. She okay, was sorry. 17. Ah, oh, no. Yeah, you were impressed with that 26 oh, and 30 earlier, weren't no. you? 
All right. 17. That's not good. I don't like yeah. that. That's 1869. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1870, when Heinrich Schliemann is 48, yeah. Sophie is now 18. Okay. Great. I Perfect. Just wanted- <laughs> I'm glad that that year passed. Uh, Heinrich Schliemann met Frank Calvert. All right. Now, Calvert was an English consular official and an amateur archaeologist whose family uh, and some others had owned part of a large plot of land on a large hill in the Ottoman Empire. Now, Heinrich in 1870 had already been traveling around what's known as the Dardanelles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're looking at uh, Turkey, right? Yep. There's that area where the Mediterranean, there's that little slit there where you go through into the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. You got to pull that out and put the apples and onions in there before you bake it. Okay. <laughs> you were you leaned in for that. You leaned in for that. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there was an area at this point in time where a lot of the different archaeologists and academics had claimed they were like, no, this is where Turkey is. It's definitely okay. around here. Yeah. And Heinrich walked around and just like, you know, paid guys to dig. Okay. He's like, dig here. Nah, nothing there. Oh, dig so he, here. he's an archaeologist, but he doesn't want to do the digging part? Oh, no. This is like, I mean, think back to like when you're thinking about movies like The Mummy, right? Yeah. And you have the guy who's like, I'm the archaeologist. And there's like a hundred brown dudes digging. Yeah. He's the one wearing the white safari outfit that the has white no linen, dirt on it. The white yeah. linen. No dirt on it. He's yeah. got like a fancy tent where he's taking hot tea. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's, I understand. Offendi, Offendi. And he's like, ah, oh, let me show me, show me the scarabs. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys. Got it. So he is an archaeologist, but he's also just like, he's also a collector. He's just like, show me the stuff. And if he can't find it, he's like, bah, he gets bored real easily. Okay. Cause he's rich. Yeah. He's a rich dipshit. Yeah. Who loves to lie about everything. Okay. And that's... married a child. Oh, God. All right? Yeah. He's Elon Musk. Do I have to be clearer about this? I don't. Okay. Um, all right. So he uh, he's digging around this area, and he's not finding anything, and he's mm-hmm. getting really upset. Now, Frank had done some excavation on the land that his family had bought into, mm-hmm. and it's this. there's this hilltop at this area called Hisserlik. Mm-hmm. Now, he'd been digging around there, and he'd been finding some small signs of, hey, there was something happened here. Yeah. There's some cool stuff here. We keep finding things. But he was running out of money. And All the right. thing about Frank Calvert is he was actually a very good, decent archaeologist, but he wasn't great with cash. Uh, but he sees the one thing Heinrich's good at, fucking money. Cash money, baby. So he's like, hey, Heinrich, uh, you should dig here. Uh, neither man had a permit from the Ottoman government. So they start to dig. Over the next three years, Heinrich funds excavations of the hilltop that discovers nine ancient cities, one buried on top of the other one. Oh, shit. Schliemann finds pure copper and metal molds, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of other metal tools, cutlery, shields, vases, arrowheads, all sorts of different stuff. The day before he stops digging on uh, June 15th, 1873, was the day he finally discovers gold at the site. Oh. Which Heinrich describes and declares to be Priam's treasure trove. At this point, Heinrich believes he has found the lost city of Troy. Okay. And that this is the gold that he found was the treasure trove of the last king of Troy, whose name was Priam. 
And what makes him think this? Because he's a fucking liar. Got it. Okay. He basically is like, I found gold. It has to be Priam's. Ha ha. And he starts running. He, he runs around with it. Got it. He later wrote that he had seen the gold glinting in the dirt and dismissed the workmen so that he and Sophia could excavate it themselves. They removed it in her shawl. However, this was another fucking lie. I was going to say, there's no way. This is a fucking lie. Um, Sophia was not even there at the time uh, because she was back in Athens following the death of her father. Um, Now, the other thing that's also important to note is when they started the excavation at this site, she also didn't like to be there because the foreman uh, had assaulted her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so she kept going back to Athens. She did not like to be there. Yeah. Um, and he didn't fire the foreman? It didn't say any other information besides Jesus that. Jesus It just said Christ. that she was assaulted by the foreman. It doesn't say what that means, but we can all assume. She's an 18-year-old girl. Yeah. At a dig site in the middle of a fucking field. Uh, and it's lucky that his body didn't get hidden in those uh, artifacts. Y'all. Yeah. Um, so Schliemann okay. smuggles the treasure out of the Ottoman Empire into Greece. Uh, okay. Again, illegally. Yep. The Ottoman Empire sued Schliemann in a Greek court. All right. Which was hilarious to me. They had the to Ottomans to, having to go to a Greek court I'm to like, shoot Schliemann. I was like... Get the fuck out. Because, again, at this point, Schliemann is living in Greece, and I guess he's under the protection of the Greek government in yeah. somewhat. Um, Schliemann loses the case and was forced to pay a $10,000 gold franc indemnity. Um, so a 10,000 10, gold francs. Okay. Um, is that This is similar to, in my mind, and I could be wrong, but when they wouldn't give him permits, don't you just become one of those people that just pays the fine at that point? Schliemann ended up sending 50,000 gold francs to the Constantinople Imperial Museum, which then gave him permission for future excavations. There it is. Yep. It was the next sentence. Uh, so, well, I was yeah. just, I, like... He's so rich. Yeah, the fine's just a part of doing business. That's the... Just get pay the fine. Yeah. Um, so remember before I told you about Greece, about his time in Greece? Yeah. Because now he's he's famous. Okay. He's the man who found Troy. Uh-huh. One of the things he loves to do is he... So some of the stuff that they find in this... This, Don't tell this, me he's wearing it. He makes Sophia wear it oh, in no. pictures and stuff like that. And he'll have her like wear it at like events and galas oh, wow. to show off this ancient. Because it's like a diadem. There's like a, a large and a small diadem and there's a necklace. you got to explain what a diadem is. So it's like a very thin crown almost. It's mm-hmm. like a wiry. It, it's like. <sighs> Does it look like what you picture laurels as when people put laurels on their head? Kind of. Okay. Uh, it it looks more. The best way I would describe describe it is if you imagine a gold chain mm-hmm. that is not cut to go around your neck. It's to cut to go around your head. So, so like where a Laura would say, it like we're picturing it like with a, a woman with like lots of beautiful braids in her hair. Yeah. And then she's got a gold chain going across her forehead. Yeah, with other stuff hanging from the chains. Yeah, and it's got dangles that come down. Yeah, yeah, dangles and all that different yeah. stuff. So she's. So she's wearing that. She's, she's looking cool. No, yeah, she's looking cool. And again, her husband is also one of the richest, richer men in the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, Schliemann is is now back and forth in the Ottoman Empire and Greece, and he is well known as an amateur archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Now, whoa, whoa, amateur! He discovered Troy, babes. Yeah. No. Okay. So let's talk about how he <laughs> discovered Troy. Um, so I want you to think. How do you think archaeology usually goes? Do you use a shovel, 
mm-hmm. a pickaxe, okay, a brush, a uh, brush. It's a brush. Okay. Would you use dynamite? <laughs> I would say that um, if I wanted the things that I was finding to be intact, I wouldn't use dynamite. Uh-huh. But um, I could see why someone that used to be an arms dealer might use dynamite if he had access to those materials. So Schleeman used a lot of dynamite. Okay. He basically blew up like half the hill because his thought process when he got to price. So like I said, there's nine levels. Yeah. Nine levels of Troy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Each of them is a different version of Troy. Whether or not they called themselves the Trojans at that time doesn't matter. Yeah. This is the city we believe the myths are based on. Sure. Okay. As he was going through it, he decided that when he got down to the second level, mm-hmm. and when he got down there, he goes, this definitely was the one that the, you know, that Achilles was at with Odysseus and with where the, the wooden horse and all that shit mm-hmm. happened. Later, archaeologists were like, no, if like that war that destroyed everything that happened at the seventh level and we don't know what's there anymore because he blew it the fuck up. Yeah. Archaeologists today say that um, that actually Heinrich Schliemann did what the Greeks couldn't and actually destroyed Troy. (laughs) So like, wait, so he did find Troy. We believe, yes, he found Troy. So he accidentally stumbled upon Troy. No, and then well, actually, blew it no. Up. The best way to say it is Frank Calvert found Troy. Frank found Troy. And then Heinrich showed up, blew it blew up. It up mm-hmm. But then was the one who knew how to publish and get the publicity and all these different things. So it's almost as if you, it was like, it's like if, imagine if Heinrich Schliemann, uh-huh. right, um, was brought on to a, a group of guys who invented an electric car. Uh huh. Yeah. And they just need an investor. Yeah. And then that guy, that investor, uh-huh. gets rid of them and calls himself the founder. And the inventor. And the inventor. Sure. Okay. And also, he's weirdly obsessed with his young wife. Did, uh, does his car run over kids? Uh, not yet. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So, so Heinrich, um, he, he ends up creating the Priam's treasure hoard. He tries to use this um, as kind of a bribe. To the Greek government. Okay. So. Um, Which he, will work. He goes, you know, because again, he can't get permits in Greece to no. dig. You don't get permits. You pay bribes. I've already figured this out. So he goes to the, archae- again, the archaeolo- archaeological society is the one that's in charge of the, the thing. Give and them they, money. They are actually archaearchaeologists. They don't want his money. They're like, no, you blew up Troy. Fuck you. Oh, fuck. I they keep being Troy. like, no, you're an asshole. And you're we. the worst. But also remember that this is early archaeology. Yeah. This is very early. So they're also like, no, we're trying to prove our system works. Mm. You're showing up with fucking dynamite. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he... Buy that company. So Heinrich offers the treasure of Priam Mm -hmm. to the Greek government, hoping hoping that that would open up the permit process for him. Got it. They say no. Mm -hmm. So then he offers it to France. All right. And France is like, what the fuck, dude? And then he offered it to Russia. And then the Russians are like, didn't you divorce your wife? And then finally... Has he tried England? No, it ends up in Germany. Oh, okay. It ends up in a museum uh, in Berlin. Okay. Uh, in 1881, that's where that ends up going. Now, this next note says, between uh, the 23rd of February and mm-hmm. the 4th of March, 1874, Schliemann traveled to Mycenae, which is an area in Greece. Mm-hmm. He hired workers. Mm-hmm. And made an illegal excavation, digging 34 test trenches around the site. 
only stopping when being forced to do so by the police. Yeah, there it is. Um, so that's in that's in early 1874. Now, fun story. Okay. You know what uh, uh, happens a lot in Greece? Uh, Governments collapse. Yeah. Uh, and when that happens, they held an election. Yeah. And in 1874, an infamously corrupt prime minister won his eighth election to take over the Greek government. Um, this finally opened up a route for Schliemann Hold on. to bribe someone. Hold on. Yeah. If this is his eighth election, then how was he not already bribing him if he was already no, there? No, because he would win, and then he'd get kicked out. Got And it. then he'd win, and then he'd get kicked out. Got So it. this was the guy's eighth and final election, this famously corrupt prime minister who with famously corrupt government. Everything about this dude is just corrupt. Yeah. All right? This dude... This dude is the Bob Menendez of Greek prime ministers, okay? This is the George Santos. That joke is going to be so old. So old. Hopefully, it means nothing by this yeah. point. He's the George Santos, okay? Does that make Imagine sense? Imagine where he'll be. Uh, yeah, in three months. Yeah. So finally, finally, this prime minister gets the permit into the hands of Schliemann. But there's a fucking catch. Ooh, what is it? He has to have his excavation overseen by an actual archaeologist. <laughs> this archaeologist's name is Patagiotis Stematopticus. So Pat. Yeah, we're going to go with Patty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's a very well-respected Greek archaeologist. And like just like Frank Calvert, uh, Patagiotis Pat is forgotten to history until oh. very recently. Mm-hmm. Very recently, his diaries were discovered. Oh, was he just like, this dude is the worst? <laughs> On August 1874 in his diary, Patty wrote, quote, Mr. Schliemann conducts the excavations as he wishes, paying no regard either to the law or to the instructions of the ministry or to any official. Everywhere and at all times, he prefers to look to his own advantage. He also speaks repeatedly about how every time they come across things that aren't Homeric enough, Okay. So he's like, yeah, this is from, they find something like, oh, this is from the first century BCE. Heinrich Schliemann will will be like, demolish it. Get it out of the way. I don't give a fuck. I'm only looking for Homer stuff. And they're like, no, you have to, what are you fucking talking about? Oh my God. So he's destroying history left and right. Yeah. And this archaeologist is stopping him. He's making them do grid patterns. He's making them write and draw out and log where they're finding random shit. Yeah. Because at Troy... Heinrich would just be like, dig a fucking hole. Like, we're finding pottery. He goes, does it look like the war? No? Then throw it in the big pile of shit nobody cares about. I'm just saying, this dude would have been really good in America. He's got a lot of American vibes. Very heavy American vibes. Yeah. In um in letters back to Sophia, his Heinrich's wife, and uh to other people, he often talks about Schliemann I mean as uh Patty, the archaeologist. Mm-hmm is referred to as the enemy. He's often referred to as a government agent and all these other things. Eventually, Schliemann uh, finds a mask, a very famous gold mask, that he says is the mask of Agamemnon, Mm -hmm. who is a famous Greek king who is involved in Troy. It is not the mask of Agamemnon. Uh, Agamemnon probably didn't exist. Yep. It is a bunch of other random shit like this. So he's going through all these different things, and he just declares that this is something ancient. Sure. And sure, he, sure. No, this is, hey, uh, I mean, it's definitely, here's the thing. It's definitely an amazingly preserved gold mask. It's incredible, and it's from a burial chamber. It's definitely a funerary mask. 
whose it is, we don't know. Yeah. And it's impressive enough on its own. Yeah. But he's like, no, it's definitely famous. Yeah. It's very, you know what it's giving? George Washington slept here. That's what it's giving. It's very much giving that at all times. So he finds that along with some other small discoveries that he can take credit for. And eventually he gives up on Mycenae. Uh, and then he goes back to Ithaca where, you know, he does some more stuff around where Odysseus's house might've been. Then he goes to an area called Boetia. And, and then he goes back to Troy a few more times, digging around a couple different layers there uh, until December 26th, 1890. Day after Christmas. Uh, day after Christmas. Uh, at the age of 68, Heinrich Schliemann dies of an ear infection. An ear infection? Uh, a very preventable ear infection, yes. Because he won't stop traveling. <laughs> he, like, comes down with this in, like, oh, in 1890, God. and his doctors are like, just rest. And then he, like, travels three or four more. Like, he goes to, like, different cities yeah. and keeps getting worse. Yeah. And it's also, like, 1890s travel, so it's not like he's, like, laying down the back seat of a fucking, you know, no. expedition and being driven across Europe. It's hell travel. It's hell travel on trains and 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 boats. big boats and all this other yeah. stuff. Um and it's it's stressful. Uh so he dies at the age of 68. His wife Sophia was 38 when he died. You know what? Good on Sophia, girl. She spends Yeah, you know what? Let's you know, you're right. Good on her. Let's hear it for Sophia Schleeman. And she's free, baby. She's late 30s too and she's a happy late Whoa, 30s. Oh, late 30s? She knows what she Husband's wants. Husband's dead. She's she got rich. The money. She spends the rest she of her life. She got a gold mask for no apparent reason. She spends the rest of her life as a member of the of Athenian High Society. Hell yeah. Sponsor of charitable endeavors, including uh multiple like war hospitals when yeah. there's wars between Greece and Turkey. Sure. Between the Ottoman Empire. Uh, and she also gives lectures about uh, about her dead husband's work, about the archaeology and things like that. <laughs> She's like, he was a consummate liar and he blew shit up. Yep. Um, other later people, like when you're reading about other archaeologists, like Schliemann used to fall under that great man of history idea where it's yeah. like, look at the great things he, did. he found. Trailers. Later archaeologists like this dude's a fucking con man. And yeah. when you go through, it's like everything he did and how he got rich is illegal now. Yeah. Cornering markets is illegal. The gold speculation, the way he did it, putting his thumb on it. He just was a fucking con man. Yeah. But he did it rapidly enough over enough time. And he moved a lot. And he moved all constantly. Also, he uh, indigo, the indigo trade. I mean, that's yeah. what that dude did with that black paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what yeah. they did with it. The, with the yeah. He cornered the market on him. Yeah. Um. Their home in Athens yeah. would eventually be turned into the Numismatic Museum of Athens. All right. Uh, numismatic is the study of coins. Uh, so if you go there, it's actually now, it was built in an ancient classical style uh, as like a palace. Uh, but it, was, it was their home. And uh, now it is a giant museum that is dedicated to ancient coins. So you can find different Greek, Roman, Egyptian, all this different stuff you can walk through. Uh, it's one of, the, I think, one of the older museums in all of Greece. So they built a house that looks like an ancient house with columns yeah, and everything? like an ancient Greek palace. That's Greek energy. Yeah, That's exactly. Greek energy. Um, <laughs> My favorite is uh, there's a part of uh, Northeast Philly that has like a predominantly Greek uh, neighborhood like within it. Yeah. And you just like... It's like you dri you're driving through and all of a sudden all the houses have columns and you're like, uh oh. Yep. And then the Greek fest comes around, and you're like, let's go. Yeah. Like it's the best. Yeah. Um well and a big part of that though is actually because of 
uh, Schliemann and Sophia. Yeah. Uh, because and because of the moves towards archaeology and the popularization of it around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, as that becomes more popular. Remember, we're talking around around this is around the same times where like dinosaurs had just been discovered. You, you mean know, dragons? Yeah. In the 1860s, <laughs> like that, but I'm saying like finding random large bones, you should be like, yeah, it's just an old large bone. Yeah. And then one day someone was like, what if we put them together? Yeah. Like, oh my God, look at that. It's a big old lizard. And you're like, I got to go take it to the owl at the Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah. Fill up my museum. Yeah. <laughs> um, the treasures of Priam uh-huh. were held in Berlin until the end of World War II. Okay. Where they were taken by Soviet Smirsch agents. All right. Uh, they were taken as spoils of war back to Moscow, mm-hmm. uh, where they are still in the Pushkin Museum. Oh, okay. Uh, there was an argument of whether or not they should be returned to Germany, never Turkey. What? Uh, <laughs> I was I was like, why wouldn't they be returned to Turkey? Nope, nope. They should. Uh, they were like, no, these were stolen from Germany. Uh, in 1998, uh, a Russian law was passed. The federal law on cultural values dis- valuables displaced to the USSR as a result of the Second World War, War War and located on the territory of the Russian Federation legalized the looting in Germany as compensation for the war and prevents Russian authorities from proceeding with any and all restitutions to the nations they were stolen from. Okay, so I'm going to work this out in my brain. The Russians are saying it cost us so much money to send troops over there to shut you fuckers down that we're keeping this as payment. Go fuck yourself. Yes. Okay. Basically. I mean, but the thing they're is, they're fighting the Nazis in this scenario. But again, but again, one ah. thing, one thing though is like, they it shouldn't have been in Germany to begin with. I know it shouldn't have been in Germany. He he literally stole it. Yeah, he did, and went to court and lost the court case that he stole it, and then yeah. was just like, here's some extra money. And the Ottoman Empire, See, I feel like, which was falling apart at the time, was yeah. like, well, I guess we need the money because our people are starving. Yeah, and we keep losing wars and territory. I feel like. And I know feelings aren't, you know, really facts in this scenario, but like the, like I understand Russia in this scenario being like, we're not giving this back to you, Germany, go fuck yourselves. But I feel like Turkey should be allowed to get it back. That's what I feel like. I mean, I feel like it should go back to it. It should go back to a Turkish. And I'm not saying that because I love Turkey and I had a wonderful time there. We had a great time. <laughs> we're very, listen, we're if, if anything, Turkey. if anything, this is a pro Erdogan podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Uh, that man's a dictator the, and a shithead. Yeah. But uh, we're not going to talk too much shit because we want to be able to go back there and eat the delicious food. Yeah. Oh, and the pomegranates. We but, went there on our honeymoon. Yeah. We need to make that clear. I don't think we've ever talked about it. <laughs> we went on our honeymoon. We went on a cruise of the Eastern Mediterranean. Yeah. We went to Greece mm-hmm. and we went to Turkey. Yep. And, and I, Croatia. And Croatia. And I hated Hated Greece with a passion. Yeah. I could not we stand. We did not have a good time. I could not stand how uh, the tourism industry is running Greece. And yeah. then we got to Turkey and I had the time of my fucking life. It was so fun. I The, the way the best way to describe uh, Greece is a place that refused to take make payments easier. Yeah. I spent like 45 minutes just trying to get a bill. And then I went to Turkey. And then they were like, we don't take credit card. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And all the ATMs were empty, which and I understand because that was part of the financial cr- crisis. Yeah, I there was a financial it. crisis at the time. But it also was like very, very difficult everywhere we went for anyone to make problem. any sense. Then we went to Turkey. And I remember going to this restaurant and being like, do you guys take credit card? And the guy was like, we take anything. <laughs> he was like, ruples. Yeah. Euros. Yeah, yeah dollars. <laughs> shekels. He looked me dead in the face. He goes, I take shekels. I'm like, you take Israeli money? He goes... It converts, it spends. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. It's such a good dude. There was something about there was something about Turkey that I just we really, had a really, really loved. Good time. Um, and I liked all the pomegranates. 
we drank a lot we had of such a great day. Yeah, we had a lot of Pentagon stuff, and we went to Ephesus, and we saw Roman sites. Yeah. And we did some shopping, and I liked the rugs. Yeah. Super into the rugs. And you know, your girl loves haggling, and so yeah. when you put me in a place where yeah. it's like we're negotiating a price, yeah. I'm in my element. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great time. Uh, so big shout out to the Turks. May you forever... May you forever get back the treasures of Priam, yeah, which yeah. were actually not Priams. <laughs> they were, um, but they're yours. They're yours, though. <laughs> they're the treasures of Turkey. So uh, then what happened? What do you mean? Uh, That's so, it. That's the end. So, but like this guy. What about uh, Schleiman? Schleiman. Yeah. What about him? Was like, uh, he's like in history books. He's got like a. He's in history, but he, he's remembered. Uh, you know, he's remembered as the guy who found Troy because mm-hmm. that was how it was publicized. Got it. So most history books recognize him that way still, but there's more movement on Frank Calvert and the other people who were involved during the, during the time. So this has a lot of like Christopher Columbus energy. Oh, it's, where it's like we're we're like, oh yeah, he did this thing, and then people are like, well, so we've been reading into the history of this. Yeah, it and turns out archaeologists hate this man. Yeah, because again, I love that there's an enemy of archaeologists. He, yeah, because he both po- he popularized archaeology in some people's minds, mm-hmm. while also doing irrevoc- irrevocable damage to the sites. It's like when you meet people that are really into archaeology, they're like the nicest calmest meticulous like you're such a liar these are you're such a fucking liar you're such a fucking liar their time really considering the history of the world and like focusing on it and then like for them to have an enemy an arch nemesis in the back of their mind historically historical enemy no that's incredible hold on because i'm gonna time them to make sure that this episode comes out Oh, after before tomorrow's. the next one that we're recording tomorrow, <laughs> because you just said that archaeologists are what historically what uh, meticulous, mm-hmm. calm, yeah, right, yeah. quiet uh-huh. people. Okay, that's why tomorrow <laughs> we're gonna we're have- recording an episode which will come out for the listener next week. Yeah, which will be my mother, uh-huh. an archaeologist. <laughs> Yeah. With an archaeology degree, yeah. who is anything but calm, uh, you is know. anything but meticulous, no. anything but quiet. In Magistra <laughs> Perlman, the former Latin teacher from New Jersey, that's the part. Will I, be here I, on this podcast, mm-hmm. and she will be explaining a, a an aspect of Roman history to the listeners. Yep. And I wasn't going to put them back to back like this, but now I'm going to because fuck you, Mrs. P. <laughs> Fuck you, Mrs. This Perlmania, is, because you're out here speaking lies. You're is, talking in grand bullshit like Heinrich Schliemann. No. You're the Heinrich Schliemann I, of this podcast. I would like to put forth a piece of information, a piece of information, and that is that I believe that your mother, the archaeologist, was probably a calmer, different person before, number one, your dumbass showed up, number two, your sister's dumbass showed up, and then... The other thing, teaching high school broke her, okay? Mm-hmm. She she has all the makings of a normal archaeologist, but then she went and taught high school in New Jersey, I, and it broke her. I need you to know yeah. that everything you're saying right now yeah. is wrong. <laughs> it's completely wrong. Mrs. P, before we go, remember this episode uh, is uh, months away before the listeners will ever hear it. Do you yeah. have any final words? Final words? 
for the listeners, like oh. every episode, every episode, like any I don't, last thoughts. Listen, I hope y'all are having a good time. I'm sure we're having a good time. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, thank you for everybody who likes, subscribes and for comments. Uh, we always love those star ratings. Yeah. Uh, we've been, you know, I'm sure by this point there's 400 of them. <laughs> 